Wow, that was amazing. And uh, that inspires me to do some Lego stop motion at some point. Um, that's our theme this morning, looking at the feeding of the 5,000. Um, if you are um, wanting to go on the Kids Church Zoom, that's just now beginning. So do uh, jump off this um, service and go onto the uh, youth, uh, the Kids Church Zoom. Um, also, the youth uh, Zoom is starting as well, but the Kids Church Zoom is starting right now with Zoe and Hannah. Um, the youth Zoom starting with Pete. Um, do feel free to go on that. And don't worry, you can catch up with this sermon later online. So uh, you can come back and catch up what you've missed. So today, looking at the feeding of the 5,000. And over the last few weeks, we've been going through uh, the book of Mark, looking at Jesus and his power, meeting the King Jesus. And we've looked at Jesus's power over nature in the stilling of the storm. Um, A few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus's power over illnesses as he healed a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years and raised a dead girl to life. Uh, And then last week, we saw Jesus's power over spiritual forces and demons that were possessing the man called Legion. And we've looked at Jesus' power over all things. But also it's important to remember that when Jesus showed his power, he wasn't just showing his power, he was also showing his love. He had compassion on his disciples who were petrified about the storm. So he used his power over nature to still the waves and the wind. Uh, He had compassion on those women. um, And because he had compassion on them, and he had compassion on Jairus. He healed the uh, women who were unwell and the dead girl. Uh, because of his love for Legion and his desire to set him free, he showed his power over the spiritual forces. And today we also see Jesus' power and his passion uh, on display because he had passion on those people. And we're told he had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without A shepherd. This wasn't a physical need. No one was ill, unwell, possessed, or frightened by a storm. But here were people who were spiritually hungry. They were hungry for leadership, hungry to know God, and they were hungry for direction in their lives. And so this is a miracle that, in one sense, Jesus didn't have to perform. There wasn't an emergency that he was dealing with, but he wanted to show his compassion on the people. He could have sent them home and said, no, teaching's over, Um, go home, get some food, come back another day. But he wanted to show them compassion by teaching them, showing them God's love, but also providing for their physical hunger, which, if you like, was a metaphor for their spiritual hunger. And so Jesus performs this amazing miracle, probably one of uh, the most famous miracles. It's in all the Gospels. Um, Not all the miracles are in all the Gospels, but this one is in all the Gospels. It was certainly uh, obviously such a big moment, something so memorable that all the Gospel writers wanted to record it. But it has this amazing um, moment in the midst of it where Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. In effect, Jesus is saying, I have compassion on these people and I have compassion, so I'm going to teach them and actually I'm going to feed them because they're going to be hungry at the end of my sermon. Maybe it was quite a long sermon. But he's saying to the disciples, do you have compassion on the people who I have compassion on? So are you going to find them something to eat? Of course, it was an impossible task. And I think that's the first thing that we Uh, need to remember when we look at the need in the world, when we um, find ourselves um, feeling moved and stirred in our hearts to help all the possible needs around the world, 
Uh, the first question Jesus wants to ask us is, do you have compassion on these people? But of course, we can feel, well, do you know what? I might have the stores of compassion. It, my heart might be big enough to care for the things that you care about, Jesus. But I can't possibly care enough. And of course, the need is so overwhelming, so huge. How can we possibly provide for all the need in the world? And that can sometimes be a barrier for us. When we feel uh, we want to help, we hear the call of Isaiah to not just fast from food and from chocolate and from coffee during Lent, but also have a fast that breaks the chains of injustice, feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, puts shelter for those who are homeless. How do we start? What can we do? What can we give? And that's where the challenge of this story comes in. Because God is not calling us to change the world with our limited resources. He's calling us to give our limited resources to his hands, into his hands, so that he can change the world with his unlimited resources. You see, we have an abundant God, a God who multiplies, who's in the business of using the small things we give, but with a generous heart, and multiplies them so they can do far more than they ever would on their own. The key to unlocking the generosity in this passage is one boy, and we're told in Luke's gospel, it was a boy who had a small pack lunch of five loaves and two fishes. It's his generosity that sees the need and thinks, well, this isn't going to feed a huge amount of people. It was actually just designed to feed me. But I'm just going to give this away into Jesus's hands because Jesus can do something with it. And that's the first thing to remember is it's not the size of our gift that matters. It's the size of our heart and who we give that gift to. If we've got a heart of generosity and we give it into the hands of an abundant, generous God, then God will multiply it and do amazing things with it. And he will give and he will do more than we could possibly imagine so that not just we have enough, but also there's enough for the need, but also there's enough left over for everyone. And I think that can often be another barrier in our giving, our fear that we're going to go without. Uh, and that could be a fear because of, particularly at the moment, there's a fear of, um, well, where will my next meal come from? My next paycheck? Um, will God provide for me? We can be reluctant to give away because we think, well, maybe we'll not have enough uh, for our own. Uh, there was a bit of an example about this in the news recently where there was a big controversy over the government cutting its international aid budget. And one of the arguments lots of people gave and um, some government ministers gave was, um, we don't have the luxury to give away because there's so much need in this country. It was this fear, we're not going to have enough, so we need to hold on. Interestingly, then just a few weeks later, when there was a controversy over children in this country not being given food over Christmas uh, because they were in poverty. The same people were saying, well, we don't really have enough for that either. You see, it's the same mentality. We don't quite have enough, so we need to hold on to what we've got. And what that does slowly over time is it breeds a lack of generosity of spirit. But in the kingdom of God, our mindset should be, God has given me so much, therefore I can give away because my abundant God will provide for all I need. And actually, perhaps I don't need quite as much as I thought. And if I give what I have into the abundant God's hands, then he can do masses with it. I can trust God because he is a generous God. You see, all that we give into God's hands is actually simply what he's given us in the first place. 
Um, we don't really own anything as a Christian. Everything we have is on loan by God to us to use and to steward well. And as Isaiah says, we should use it to help those in need, to tackle injustice, to help those who have nothing. And also we should use it to not turn our back on our own flesh and blood. We do need to provide for our families, but we need to have this attitude of gratitude that breeds a spirit of generosity. So my prayer this morning is that we have a passion and we grow in passion for the projects that we feel as a church God has called us to support. But more than that, we would grow a generosity of heart. I said at the beginning of the service, there's a few practical reasons why we've changed the way we uh, have supported our missionaries. We've uh, decided that we want to upfront support our mission families um, in advance so that they know exactly the amount of money they're getting through the year. So that's all been sorted out. And that's why we're not raising money uh, this morning for our mission uh, families and the organizations that they support. So we're not going to be focusing on the Davies, the Morts, Madame Farah, Michael Green, and the Abotis at Turning Point. But we are going to be focusing on six projects we want to raise money for. And of course, over the last year with the pandemic, the difficulty of doing Sunday collections, because we haven't had that many Sunday services, uh, but also uh, Sunday collections, which uh, in the previous years, we've always put our Sunday collections to the missionary of the month that we've been praying about. And um, that was always a bit difficult and a bit unpredictable. That's a, that's a big word to say, unpredictable, because of you know, depending on how many Sundays we had, what the attendance was, um, whether a video got shown or not. It, all de- it changed the amount that was given quite um, dramatically from month to month. So this time, what we want to do is we want to raise all the support we can in one Sunday. It's a big ask. It's a, it's a bold task. But we think this is a better way so that we can provide for the mission organizations that God has placed on our heart um, with the right amount. So, Today, we're raising money for the Bethesda Life Center in Goa that does amazing work with um, children who have been orphaned or on their own uh, in the streets of Goa. Also, it uh, looks after vulnerable children and families and women who are at risk of um, uh, exploitation, children who are at risk of trafficking. They do amazing work providing education programs for children in need, and we're going to be raising money for the Bethesda Life Center. We're also going to be raising money for a Bible translation project that's overseen by uh, Gareth Mort in Nigeria. Um, And this is so exciting because if we can put the Bible into the hands of people who've never read the story of Jesus before, then their hearts will be stirred to be people who want to follow Jesus and make a difference in the world. The Bible, if you like, is the um, dynamite that will ignite uh, the story of Jesus in people's hearts and make a difference around the world. We're also going to be raising money for the York Road Homeless Project in Woking that supports people who are homeless or just coming off the streets uh, with amazing uh, support, including homeless hostels um, and provision of food and showers and shelters. We'll hear more about that in a moment. But we're going to watch two videos right now uh, that uh, two of our other projects we're supporting. Engage, that works with schools in Woking, um, showing the good news of Jesus around about. And a cross that doesn't go into the world uh, to reach people um, outside Woking, goes to the people who are from the world, who are in Woking uh, with the good news of Jesus. So let's hear about Engage and let's hear about a cross. Hello. In today's news, we have an update on Engage's activities. 
Though the schools may be closed and the students working from home, they are still very much in contact with schools, primary, secondary and working college, supporting where they can. With prayer support, having coffees with staff via Zoom, but also focusing on a key area on mental health and well-being, all being done remotely through recorded set of messages, offering motivation and support through letters and worksheets. They also continue to work with Working College and the Christian Union has started again remotely. And here is what one student had to say about their experience of Christian Union at Working College. Being a part of Christian Union at Woking College has been such a blessing for me this year. They've filled us up and overflowed into other areas of college life. Because of Christian Union, I have developed so much confidence in sharing my faith with others. Now, to the primary sector. Engage have just started recording the exciting Easter Assembly, which will be sent out to over 33 primary schools which will go into schools, but also which will go into homes where families as a whole will connect with the story. It will be sent with resources so that there'll be questions that the families can talk about. There'll be questions that staff can share in schools. And we hope to reach so many more schools this year. And on the back of a really successful Christmas assembly where we had some great feedback from some schools where their children loved seeing the donkey running away. It was brilliant. Some enjoyed the bloopers. We hope that the Easter assembly has just as much impact and shares the story of hope and Jesus's resurrection. Engage wanted me to express their thanks for all the support that you have given them through this pandemic and ask for your continued support, whether it be prayer or financial support, whatever fits with you. And to find out more about what Engage do, please visit www.engagewoking.org. And now, over to the weather. Sadim was invited to preach in the mosque, and he got up into the pulpit. And he said, do you know what I'm going to talk about today? And the people said, no. And he said, you foolish people, if you don't even know what I'm going to preach about, then what can I tell you? And he walked away. And the next week, he got up into the pulpit and he asked the same question. Do you know what I'm going to talk about today? And all the people said, yes. He said, well, if you already know, there's nothing I can tell you. And he walked away. The third week, he got up into the pulpit and he asked, do you know what I'm going to talk about today? And half of them said yes. And half of them said no. He said, well, those of you who know can tell those of you who don't. And he left. So that's a story about Nusradeen. But do you know what I'm going to talk about today in relation to a cross? Well, I think it's a matter of those of you who know can tell those of you who don't, and I can leave. 
So we're going to hand over to Rachel, who's going to tell you a little bit about, because she knows about it, she's going to tell you about the cross. Hi, my name's Rachel, and I've been coming to Christchurch for about 20 years now. We'd been living in Pakistan uh, before we moved to Woking, and one of the reasons for moving to Woking was because it's such a multicultural town. Uh, and there are people from so many different um, backgrounds and faiths living here. So over the years, I've had lots of opportunities to get to know people of other faiths. Um, I teach English as a second language to adults, and I've had conversations about faith with my students, with other colleagues, um, with taxi drivers, neighbours, lots of um, relationships that have built up over the years. And I've been really helped by um, the organisation Across, uh, which has put on training courses and we have prayer meetings where people from different churches in Woking to come together um, to um, support each other and to pray with each other uh, for friends who we're uh, sharing our faith with. So a couple of things at the end. You can learn more about Across. And we'd invite you to come and pray. And we have a prayer breakfast. You can come and learn. You can do the Friendship First course online uh, by Zoom. And come and join us. Join in. Get involved. Be happy to see you. It's important to remember Jesus' call right at the end of his ministry was to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, not all of us can go to the nations. But when the nations come to our doorstep, what a great opportunity that is to show and share the love of Christ. So let's be uh, praying for Phil and Rachel and the ministry of Across. And yeah, that's one of the um, projects we're going to be supporting in our gift day today. Um, one of the other projects that we've been supporting over many years and is one of our focuses um, on the uh, gift day, the Isaiah Fund gift day today, is CAP. And I'm delighted that Sarah's with us this morning in the flesh, actually a proper person to chat to. This is very exciting for me. Um, and I just thought, um, so it'd be great. Uh, lots of people do know about CAP, but uh, some people are new to Christchurch, like me. Um, mm, yes. And so it'd be great to just uh, share afresh um, the vision of CAP, what it is you do, and how you kind of put into practice the vision of CAP here in Woking. And you've been involved for 12 years, so you've got so much experience. So share with us the vision. Yeah. So um, Christians Against Poverty, CAP is Christians Against Poverty. Um, is a national charity, so it's based up in Bradford, and their heart is to help local churches to reach their community. So we partner with CAP, I'm trained by CAP, and the service that we offer here, the big, biggest service we offer is the debt help service. And, and how that pans out is that I go uh, into people's homes with volunteers from church, and uh, they're people who've rung the helpline and said that they've got debt problems. We sit in their house, we go through masses of paperwork, usually digging out paperwork from under the sofa or whatever. Um, we help them to package up all that paperwork, which is sent off to CAP head office. They then do the official uh, negotiating with creditors and coming up with a debt plan. And we support them to go through that, which might mean opening new bank accounts. It might help them, might mean they have to go to court. There's all sorts of things that we help them with. And we help them and support them until they are debt free. So that's, that's the basic process. Um, 
the bit that's lovely is that I am required as a part of my job to offer prayer to everybody I, I meet. So I sit in people's homes, and frankly, this used to be the bit that scared me originally, but now actually it's the loveliest bit of all to say at the end of it, you know, I'm a Christian. When I get myself into a real mess, I pray about it, and I'd love to pray with you now. Can we do that? It's very rare that people turn me down, and it's lovely. And, and quite often then on the back of that, then I get their real story about what's actually going on in their family, which is often more than dead. So, so that's what we do. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to have members from our church going into people's houses in Woking and praying with them. So that's that. Um, and we've, we've got Colin and the Job Club as well. So we, we work together kind of referring to people to each other. But also part of my vision is that, that we then are able to draw people into church. So um, we've invited clients to come on uh, the Alpha course, the Kintsugi Hope course, the Hope in Depression course. But I think my vision and, and one of the things I'd, I'd love to see as we start to open up the church building is that perhaps we could have more activities during the day in the church that we could invite people to. We're hearing a lot about loneliness and isolation in the community. And some of the people that I'm coming into contact with are, like, are, are in that situation. There must be others. So my vision really moving forward is, is that as a church, we could do more in this building during the day. I mean, one of the things I've been so impressed with as uh, we've got to know each other over the last year is that um, just how many people you continue to support, even if they've got debt free and out of the, uh, if you like, the official cap mm. process, that you continue to connect and you help people. And there must be, I think over the last 12, obviously recently it's been hard to get into people's homes, but over the last 12 years, there must be amazing stories of people's lives that have been changed and the difference cap has made. Could you just share maybe one story that helps us kind of put into our minds uh, how this makes mm. a real difference um, mm. to someone in their real life. So um, I was thinking about this. So there's a, there's a, a, a guy in about his 30s who um, actually, first of all, went to the job club at the lighthouse and made some friends there and then got a job. Um, and then he had all sorts of health problems that stopped him from working. And then so, of course, his money got into a mess and he had to reapply for, for benefits and everything. And as the more time I spent with him, I just said, but your health problems aren't getting addressed. Um, so in the end, I ended up going to his GP with him after we had sat down for ages and written almost a script of what we were going to say while we were in there about this, this, this. And it's turned out that he's got some very complex health needs. But what is lovely is that I'm helping him with one of the specialists that he's going to. I've been attending appointments with him. Um, somebody else from the lighthouse is attending other appointments with him. This person doesn't come to church, but never minds being prayed with. I remember the first time I saw him and I said, you know, I'd love to pray with you. And he said, I don't believe in God. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have let my dad die like that. And, I, and so we kind of built up from there. Now he loves to be prayed with. Um, yeah, we've got him debt free, but you know, his health problems are continuing, but he's got support from the lighthouse. He's got support from the job club. He's got support from me. And, and, that's just lovely. And, it, and, you know, the person who was really, frankly, withdrawn when I first met is now smiling and bubbly. Mm -hmm. So it, it's about all of that. I love that uh, picture in Matthew where Jesus says to the people who um, looked after the homeless and the thirsty, you know, mm. sort of, when you did this, you did it for me. Mm. And it's amazing ministry that uh, when we get alongside the vulnerable, we're actually blessing Jesus by doing that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of uh, practical ways people can... Um, pray and support and obviously we'd love them to give because of the uh the support that we provide that enables the cap center to function um how would you encourage people to um find out more get involved what would you love us to do in response to uh the isaiah fund gift day today 
So uh, there's a couple of things. So at the moment, it's, obviously, I'm not able to go into people's houses. So I have to do the, um, the debt counselling over the phone, which means I can't have a befriender with me. So at the moment, I've got a little bit of a gap and a breathing space. If anything that I'm saying this morning kind of is, is speaking to your heart, ring me up and I'll go for a walk with you. I love walking. I'd love to go for a walk with you. I'd love to talk to you about my ideas, about what we could do in the church building, about becoming a befriender, about how you can come alongside people. Um, if you want to pray as well, um, we can do that too. If you say, actually, I'd love to go for a walk with you and to pray, that would be a very practical thing you could do. So I think my, my prayer for this morning, the thing I said to God before I, I came to speak was, I would love people to approach me and say, actually, something you said really, really caught my eye. Um, yeah, and I'd love to get involved, but but ring me up. Come come for a walk with me. Come for you know a socially distanced walk. We can still do that one on one. I'd love I'd love to talk about it and to see what what we could ignite in other people that that we could really just reach further into our community. Great. Um, I think we might be having some visual problems, um, so bear with us with that. Um, one of the things uh, I'd love us to do now is we're going to have um, a time where we can just listen to what God's saying to us. Um, it might be that God's really been stirring us in our hearts. It might be that actually um, when we've been thinking about it over the last year, um, there are all sorts of things we haven't been able to do, like go on holidays and stuff. So actually we feel ready and enabled to give. It might be that you're going through a tough time and now it's not the right time to be giving. You might be feeling, I'd love to give five loaves and two fishes, but I really feel I've only got half a loaf to spare. Again, it's really important that we hear. It's not the size of the gift, it's the size of the heart that we give into the hands of God. So we're going to use this uh, song of worship, during which I hope we'll get some of our um, visual challenges sorted out. Um, but uh, do use this song of worship just to be praying. And um, even if you can't see us, ask God to help you see him and what he's calling you to give.